all I'm saying is that next week, I just want to catch a fish. I don't care if it's a fake fish. I don't care if it's one of the cheap cheeps from Mario. Just a fish, anything. It can be, it can be a little mullet. It can be a giant daggone great white. I just want to pull something out of the water for the first time in years. You know, it's funny. I got to tell you, Miranda gave us a list of fish that we're not allowed to keep should we catch them. And boy, oh boy, you should hear how ridiculous it is. Oh, I can't wait to see that. <laughs> Hi, everyone. <laughs> Welcome to Racer Radio. A uh, little bit of a time crunch today. I got karate at seven, so I've got to be motoring along through this one today. Got a special guest here. Zachary Aiden, my son, is with us today. He's currently feeding. So if you hear a couple little wah wahs, that's just him. It's not Kyle Bush. It's not Kyle Bush. Oh, but we're going to talk about Kyle Bush. So, uh, <laughs> first of all, um, actually, I want to chime in. Uh, Race for Fitness. You can find us on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, we're here for your personal training needs. We're here for your TRX needs. Um, what, whatever you need in the fitness space, uh, we can provide something for you. So if you're interested, please hit us up uh, and we'll see what we can do to improve your life, hopefully uh, make you more fit, but hopefully make you more happy and feel better. So uh, we got some news. We're gonna turn it over to Jordan for, uh, some, for an update. Go ahead, Jordan. So, guys, I got an update on the Hawkins family. Uh, as you remember last week, um, the horrible tragedy that I spoke about. Um, well, I actually ended up being able to speak with Daddy Hawkins, um, a.k.a. Jacob Hawkins. Um, I ended up getting to speak with him, and he gave me an update on everything. Um, but the more important thing is the update on Evan. Um, last time I seen him was four days ago they posted that um, hopefully he was getting the tube out within the next day or so. So that would have probably been about Monday or Tuesday. So we're hoping that happened. The hole that was in his throat, which is why he needed the tube. Um, they're hoping that that'll clear up and heal itself because it's so microscopic. But other than that, mommy and daddy are doing as good as expected when you lose a son. And, you know, little man, he's he's doing as good as he can be as well. So. I just wanted to give you guys that update. If you're in York, PA or close to the York area tomorrow, we are holding a candlelight visual for Elijah at the site of the horrible accident. Um, so if you guys can come on out, you don't need a candle. Just come out, pay your respects. There's going to be probably a bunch of people there. Um, but I just want to let you guys know if you're in the area, stop on by and join us that's that's pretty much all i got for the update on them and jake i know you listen to our podcast just wanted to say how you you know hey and see how you were doing so i'll talk to you soon all right so so very uh very shocked by by that very saddened by uh by i for me like i was getting up and i was uh, feeding Zach in the middle of the night is when I saw this and still just it's disbelief. Um, but, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers are with them. So, uh, we're going to move on from that. Jake, if you're listening, bud, uh, thoughts are with you. I mean, I, there's nothing I can say or do to, to, to make it anything better, but, uh, you know, I just want you to know, we're thinking about you. We're praying for you and, uh, we, we wish you the best going forward. Um, so we're going to move on now to, uh, to fitness thing. Now I have some things planned, but, uh, that all changed. And I'm gonna tell you a little story. Um, and it involves me being kind of a sissy. I'm not gonna lie. 
So um, now, I, so to give you just kind of the direct part of this, on Sunday, I went out in the garage and I was uh, doing some clean and press, or just cleans, just cleans. Um, wanted to hit some, wanted to work on it a little bit. Um, so I'm pretty notorious for just doing muscle cleans. And basically what that is, is when you do the clean, you don't drop. You just basically muscle it all the way up to your collarbone. Um, now, technique-wise, it's, it's a little more difficult to fall under the weight. But if you can fall under the weight and catch it, you, you typically can do more weight. You know, because all you got to do is get that weight moving and then you fall under and catch it. Um, it makes sense. It's harder to throw that weight higher. So if you can throw it lower and get under it, it's, you know, you should be able to, to do more weight. So I'm pretty bad about not getting under the weight. Um, I actually had somebody during a CrossFit Open a couple years ago point that out to me like, dude, you're a freaking beast. You should not be doing it like that. Um, well, I went, no, I was just doing, I did 135 just as like kind of a warm up. No big deal. Went to 155. And my very first one, I'm like, okay, I got to drop under this one. I got to squat a little bit. I don't even think I got my butt down a parallel. Like I, I just dropped a little bit. The minute I received the weight, both hamstrings lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> like straight up, straight up, just all kinds. Of, it wasn't the full cram, but it was pretty darn close. And as somehow, some way, I stood it up and put the weight down. Now I didn't have it racked. I actually had it on my safeties in my rack. So, you know, they're about knee high. So I had to re unload and put it down. <laughs> and so from that point, I kind of waddled over, I have some gymnastic rings hanging from the ceiling and I literally put my arms through the rings and just dangled there for a second. As I'm doing this, Jenny comes out and is like, Hey, do you mind coming in and watching Zach for us while we eat? Cause I was not hungry yet. I was going to be working out. And I'm like, yeah, uh, yeah, just give, just give me a minute. I'm like freaking flush. I'm white as my freaking karate gi, just like totally messed up. Just, it, it was, it was, it was so painful. And I thought I was going to pass out. It was that bad. So I waddle inside and I try to sit down. You would think it would be harder to stand up. No, the minute I sat down, I was in so much discomfort. It, I wouldn't even call it pain. It was just discomfort. I was so uncomfortable. I couldn't even sit down. I couldn't sit on the recliner. It was, it was so, so bad. Now I had, I had to break this down in my head. Like, why did this happen? Cause I can do, I've done 225, you know, 155 is not really a big deal for me. I, I don't, I'm thinking, okay, what happened here that caused this issue? Um, and so thinking back on it, this was a bad idea for me to be pushing this hard. Why? Because for the past month and a half, I have a new child. I'm not sleeping like normal. I really, really struggled with the sleep. You can ask my wife. It's, it's, I, I've, it's, it's, I've been, I'm not complaining. I'm not saying it's special to me. She's been going through the same thing, but I've struggled with it. I'm going to be honest. And so being on little sleep, being physically tired, doing that, still teaching classes. Um, it just, my body was not ready for that. And that's kind of things you got to pay attention to while you're trying to work out. If you know you're not well rested, if you know that you, maybe you've worked really hard, you were just up at work all day, moving around. Like you got to take these things into account and know that you can't push quite as hard. And, you know, I think to a degree I was thinking that, but I didn't think that much. 
and it obviously bit me. Now, I at that time, this was Sunday night. I uh, Monday night. It was Monday night. I didn't think I was going to be able to go and work out and teach pump the very next night. I thought I was going to be in big trouble. Um, but it kind of subsided fairly quickly. Um, I did still kind of feel like I had that post cramp kind of hamstring thing. You know, hamstrings are pretty sensitive and you feel them for a little bit afterwards. So then I was, I was like, okay, I'm good. I woke up the next day. I felt pretty decent. It's still kind of feeling it. Uh, went and taught pump and I'm telling you halfway through the warm up, I'm like, mm, this is not going to be a good day. This is going to, this is going to be a struggle. You should have icy hotted it. I, I, uh, biofreeze them. Oh, okay. So now, so I tell, I'm telling you this part, not to, to be like all braggy and be like, Hey, I got through it. I toughed it out. No, 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 no. I backed way off, especially the, the very second track in a body pump class is, so you have your warm up, then you have your squat track and the squat track's the heaviest weight you put on the bar. And I immediately knew I'm like, Mm-mm, no, last week I set my, I guess, I guess you could say record of putting four plates on each side. Each plate is 10 pounds. So it's not a lot, but in body pump, when you have so many repetitions, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, and that's pretty heavy, especially if you're doing uh, the heel raises where you come up on your toes and squeeze your glutes. I knew I couldn't do that. So I dropped down to two plates. So I literally did half the weight because the bar is almost no weight at all. Um, and I uh, doing the SpongeBob with two marshmallows on the stick. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt. Dude, I kind of felt, I didn't feel like I was pushing no weight. And I still was like, mm, I don't know about this. I know my depth was probably terrible. Um, and it was kind of, I'm, I'm sure I was grimacing through it a little bit. It's just, it was not very comfortable. But that's another lesson to take out of this. When you're not feeling it, when you know you have problems, first of all, don't work out if you're injured. Second of all, if you are working out and you're not 100%, back it off. Because as you can see, this is how injuries occur. When you somehow, maybe my form was compromised. Maybe my body just wasn't up for it. But that's how injuries can occur. That puts you behind. And trying to work through the injuries, trying to work through the fatigue, a lot of times that leads you down a bad path where your technique your form gets off and then you're not going to progress because you're doing things the wrong way or your body's not healing therefore it can't build so these are things to take into account when you're uh when you're going forward don't uh fall down the same path that i did yeah i feel like when you uh do that workout i I feel like your legs were like the little loading circle that you did on the internet page yeah it just doesn't ever load. It's just like sort of there, but it's never there. Yeah. And you were just like loading, 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 and then your computer crashed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so darn you, spinny wheel. So that's your lesson for, for this week. Um, just a little personal one. So um, I'm going to turn it over now to Jordan with the dirt, and I'm going to go get Zach some more formula. So fill, okay. fill time there, Jordan. All right. Well, this is probably the quickest we've ever made it to the dirt section. But uh, so I'll start you guys off with the all-star circuit of champions. And they were at State Line Speedway last Saturday. 100% Hunter Schoenberg got the win. That was his first career win with the all-stars. So congratulations to him. He did it in great fashion coming up and passing I think he started sixth or so and worked his way up to the lead, which was pretty impressive. So then they ended up going to, um, it was Sharon Speedway, 
I believe that was uh, this past weekend, or I think it was Saturday. Yeah, I think that was Saturday, and state line was Friday. So Saturday, they ran, no, they did run the Lou Blaney Memorial Sunday at Sharon Speedway. Um, that's in Ohio. And Spencer Basin, well, he picked up his first win as well. So he won the Lou Blaney Memorial. That was really cool to see Spencer Basin get his first win. Um, he just got in that car, so to be winning already, you'll hear his name in a couple seconds. So go to the World of Outlaws. They were at Wellmont Speedway, and wouldn't you know, Brad Sweet wins again. But not to be, uh, not to continue with the two piece. Um, they ended up running Attica on Tuesday, and your winner of the Brad Doty Classic at Attica Speedway was Spencer Baston. So he wins All Star Race, comes back, wins the World of Outlaw Race, back to almost back to back races. So it's really cool to see him do that in that 11 car. Um, we'll see where he goes from here because this week, guys, is one of the greatest weeks ever. Not only is it my wife's birthday, it's one of my best friend's birthday. And then on top of that, we got four nights of World of Outlaw racing in a row. We got um, tonight is the Joker's Wild. Tomorrow is King's Royal number one. Then we got the night before on Friday. And then on Saturday, it's the King's Royal number two. So we got two King's Royals in a week. And let me tell you guys, it's going to be impressive. Um, Anthony Macri from the local stint is jumping in the Indy parts number 71. Um, that's a really competitive car. So really excited to see what he can do there. But speaking of Anthony Macri, he got the win at Port on Saturday night. Um, I skipped the Grove because guess what? Mother Nature won again. So the Grove was canceled, but Anthony Macri wins Port. Tyler Ross wins Lincoln Speedway, dominating fashion, led green to checkered. So that was really cool to see him win. He's only the third driver this year to win two races or more at Lincoln Speedway. So that's pretty impressive this far into the season. But I'm going to go from here. I'm going to bring up the old trucks at Knoxville since it was on dirt. Yeah. And so let, let me just tell you, first of all, Austin Hill wins the demolition derby. He survived. We, we give him credit. Um, I think he got a little bit of help from NASCAR with the uh, the whole where the flag came out and all those scoring lines and stuff. But let me just tell you something. This is exactly what I feared. And if you go back a couple of weeks when we started talking about this, I brought it up when we were talking about SRX at Knoxville. And now we're talking about the trucks at Knoxville and early. It was awesome. You had two lanes of racing. They were side by side. They were battling. You could run the top, you could run the bottom and 20 laps into the feature. You might as well forget about the top because there's not a top anymore. So it was all just bottom single file. And I get it. We used to like that at Bristol, but guess what? People like side-by-side -side racing at dirt tracks and not Knoxville's fault. You know, Knoxville did whatever they could. It's just the way these heavy trucks run at Knoxville on a flat track. So it's pretty much what I was telling you. I was hoping they were going to stay at Eldora because there's at least banking. They can run top. They can run bottom. Tony Stewart had that figured out. But let me tell you, that was ugly, and me as a Dirt fan was not impressed. Um, I, I did like, you know, there was some hard racing. There was also a lot of the yellow was out, and then someone plowed in about five seconds later, um, which we've talked. It's hard to talk. It's hard to stop one Dirt. But, I mean, these ones seemed a little more than 
you know, there was a huge pile up on the front stretch and someone plows in after everybody stopped. So to me, it was just a huge, huge demolition derby. It wasn't as hyped up as Eldora used to be. It, it used to be Eldora's this week. The trucks are going to be there. It's going to be an awesome race. Knoxville, to me, was not as hyped up, was not as fun to watch, and a lot of people spent money. I don't know what your take is on it, but that's the way I got from it. So my take on it, um, I have an interesting perspective on it. I'm going to give them a little bit of a pass because Eldora got better with time. So maybe Knoxville get better with time. I don't see a reason why we can't do both. Um, To me, it's – I'm going to put it to you this way. I'm going to relate it, relate it like this. Where would you rather see the trucks race? Would you rather see them race a crappy race at Kansas? Or would you rather see them go and run at Knoxville and Eldora? You know what I mean? Like substitute one of those crappy truck. The trucks don't need to be on mile and a half. They don't need to run Michigan. They don't, I don't know if they're still going there this year or not, but they don't need to be running anything. Really, we run Charlotte because it's local. I get that. But mile and a half and above for for the trucks, except, you know, Canada has been successful. Daytona and Talladega are what they are. They're exciting because of the packs. But other than that, do we really need to go to a big track like that? No. I, I might even fringe on Pocono. You know, it's hard for me to do because I love Pocono so much. But it's like – these guys need to be going to the Saturday. This it's a should be a step up from Saturday night short track racing. That's what made it entertaining to begin with. I thought the race at Knoxville was entertaining, but not from a dirt racing standpoint. It was entertaining because it, it looked like a lot like a Martinsville race, an old school Bristol. You had to hunt the bottom. You had to knock people off the bottom to get by them. You know, it was it was hard old school get the elbows up racing. So that yeah. that part of it was entertaining, but the part of it that sucked is like we were starting to figure it out at, at Eldora and then we moved on. Yeah. So to me, I, I would like to see us run at both, get a better use out of running, you know, well, three dirt races, I guess, technically because of Bristol, but yeah. you know, why not? It was, it, Eldora was good. Knoxville to me was, it wasn't a good race, but it was entertaining. Yeah. I mean, I agree. It'll get better. The, the other things I have problems with is they on, on caution flags when they would try and go back to green, Everybody wanted the bottom that bad. That you had to have the bottom. Yeah, you had you know? to have the bottom. You had no choice. And and everybody knew that you had to have the bottom. So your guy that would be in 14th or 16th would be lining up 15th or 13th. And, you know, they didn't get any punishment out of it. And I get it once or twice. But, you know, yeah. after that, you know, it gets, a, it gets a little aggressive. You know, maybe NASCAR should have stepped in and done something about it. Um, kind of like they penalized the 99 truck. After not bringing him in, that was dumb. That was dumb. The minute the green flag flew, you lost your chance. I I don't think you should. I I don't think you can follow through with that. That was that was a bad call. Yeah, the call wasn't the call wasn't bad. When they made the call was bad. Right. So that's my take on that. Um, But you know, like I said, I'm happy with that kind of race over a lot of the other tracks we go to. Right. You know. and I also love that we had the dirt track ringers in. You know, we yeah. had a late driver. We in uh, Strickler. We had Donnie Shots in it, who ended up wrecking the whole field. Um, <laughs> yeah, but he, I don't really feel like that was him. Like he just got in the gas, and whoever was in that was that Strickler in the thirty-four. 
No, Strickler was in a 20. I don't know who there yeah. was in a 24, but. Whoever that was, man, he he just, like, didn't go or something, but I don't know how you get turned you can, on you the straightaway go. like that. You can't go when you're, you're trying. He was trying to come down on the restart, right? So he was up yeah. a little bit, tried to get down and come down, and Donnie Schatz was already there, and the onboard camera was Schatz. He never lifted. He, he just no. stayed in. No, and, and I don't blame him. Yeah, and, but, uh, and dude pile up. <laughs> up until that point in that demolition derby, Schatz had a pretty clean truck, so – I, I, I was kind of impressed the way he, I mean, you, you would, I guess you would expect that, but man, these trucks do not run anything like the sprint. So I thought that was impressive for his first run and kind of, he was the center point of that wreck, but it, I don't really consider that to be his fault. Yeah. But I mean, all in all, I would say it was a good race, but just to so bring back Eldora. Yeah. Bring back Eldora until we at least figure it out at Knoxville. But I'm telling you, you got to get a cushion on the top. Um, we got to do something because not having two lines, just, uh, I get it. We all like the bump and run, but when it's the bump and wreck everybody in the field, it, it, yeah. Really yeah. Super uh, there's, there's a between a bump and run and, uh, and being, having to be that aggressive. So there's a bump and run and then there's Derek Krause. Oh my God, dude. What that I felt so bad for him. Like he, he actually was, if he wasn't the best truck, I don't know who was. And he kind of, got in his own way everyone yeah. else everyone else who got in his way he caused the problem of making himself be in the way if you catch what i'm saying but yeah you know that's just that's you know young and getting impatient and uh just needing feeling like you need to get to the front immediately and just yeah. crushing so but yeah all in all i think uh i think we can say knoxville was a success it's just I think the expectations were high and I don't think we quite reached them because they were so yeah. lofty. But I mean, like I said, I, I want to go there again next year. I just don't, I don't, I think there's other tracks I'd rather take off before we decide, well, this didn't work. Let's go just go back to Eldor. Yeah, I agree. But let's move on from that to another uh, short track race. Uh, SRX, did you catch, you were at the dirt races on Saturday, right? I was not, but I was not able to watch SRX. Okay. Well, so they were at Slinger and I've been excited about this track because I've heard so much about it. This was Slinger. If you have not seen this track, it is an awesome looking track. Quarter mile, high bank. I mean, the the infield, there is no infield. (laughs) It's, there is a, uh, an X on the infield basically where they can do figure eight racing. Um, it was fun. Uh, it was another beat bang and spin out and wreck kind of race. Uh, that's a place that I think it would be really cool to uh, to go to, if, like for the trucks. I don't necessarily know that we can go there with the Cup or Xfinity, but, man, trucks could make a show there. It would be about like Knoxville was, be kind of a, a wreck fest. Um, but, man, it was like the racing there was pretty good, a lot of battling. There was one point, um, I can't remember if it was Fenthouse and maybe Stewart, but some they were battling for the lead, and I swear they were side by side for like twenty laps. It was awesome. Yeah. You you couldn't yeah. get an advantage on the top, you couldn't get advantage on the bottom, and as as soon as one person would get out in front, the person behind them in second would just come right back on them, and yeah. and they battled and battled and battled. I think it was at lap one hundred there was twenty nine lead changes. Like where do you see that? That's not yeah. a, a plate track. It was insane. It was great. So um, 
I really enjoyed that track or that in that race. Uh, I think SRX has been just a phenomenal addition to racing in America. Uh, the only thing that I didn't really like, you have to look this back up, is that it looked to me like Marco Andretti got a, a jump on Fenhouse there at the end. I thought Fenhouse had that race won. Uh, he had the preferred line, and it, to me, it just looked like uh, Marco inched in front of him, coming off a of four, and never got back behind him, jumped the restart a little bit. But they never made the call. They never made anything about it on TV. No one ever said anything else about it. It was just something that I saw, and I thought that was the only way Marco got the lead from him. So it was a little unfortunate there because I thought Fenhouse deserved to win that race as, as tight as the competition was. Um, yeah. But – And uh, Haley Dugan gets in a scuffle with – I forget what his name is. Paul Tracy. To be fair, yeah. Paul Tracy's been in a scuffle with the entire field. Yeah. And everyone was beaten on everyone that whole race. It was yeah. – Whoever driver you were following, they were in the top five at some point in time. It was yeah. crazy. They were just up and down and up and down. Um, those were just, it was really chaotic, really crazy, but I thought it was a fun time. It was a really cool race. And then this weekend, we get another one that's exciting is Nashville Fairgrounds with everything that's being hyped up about that. Um, I think this one's going to be a stinker, though, because, uh, you know, the, the local guys have really been turning it up on the, on these drivers. We've, uh, we've had one win and we had several that were pretty darn close. Um, I'm not sure if, I think Chase might be considered the local guy in this one. I'm not sure who he's filling in for, but I think Chase Elliott, uh, like I've, I've, the only thing I've been critical of SRX for is the standard of the drivers um, in the series. And it's not that they're bad. It's just that a lot of them are past their prime, I would say or ascending into prime, like in the case of Haley D. Well, I, um, I think, the, I think the big thing with that is though, is I think the big thing was to get people to watch with the big time names. Yeah. See how interesting it is. And then, you know, eventually you'll sub in more people. Yeah. So I think a lot of people are going to watch this weekend because uh, Chase Elliott, obviously he's the fan favorite. I think he's going <laughs> to, he's going to run away from the field on this one. Um Unless I'm excited Dunn. to see how the racing is there at Nashville. I've never, I've seen a couple old races at Nashville, never really experienced it. So uh, I'd like to see how this race turns out. It'd be a good season finale. I think Tony's pretty much wrapped up the championship. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be cool. It'll be exciting. I can't wait to watch it. So yeah. let's, uh, let's move. You got, you got anything else on it? No, I was going to say, I, I agree with you. I just think Chase Elliott's going to run away and that's going to yeah. be it. But you know what? Watch between second and twelfth or whatever it is. And, so and, let's, how, and let's Bill Elliott dumps him. Uh, let's see how many times Willie T. Ribs and Michael Waltrip spin out. <laughs> we have to have a counter. Like, if you want to play a drinking game, take a shot every time one of those two are involved in a wreck. <laughs> you, you're going to be pretty messed up. You won't make it past the second segment. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. So we're going to move on to Atlanta. No, no F1, nothing to report on from IndyCar from my side. Uh, so only thing to report on is Atlanta. Um, and I thought it was, it was two pretty average races at, at Atlanta, uh, but a lot to talk about in the middle of it. Uh, first of all, Kyle Busch gets what is apparently going to be his final win in his final Xfinity Series start. He says he doesn't have any scheduled races planned for next year, which makes sense because to me that message is now that that 54 car or whatever number they put on it is going to be taken up by um, 
Ty, Ty Gibbs. Yeah. So um, I don't know what that means for the other cars in the stable. Um, if if Hemrick is going to stay, if Harrison Burton's going to stay or whatever. Um, but it's me, the message is the 54 car is going to be uh, Ty Gibbs' seat next year for full-time uh, Xfinity Series. It's about time for Kyle to get out. And I hate to say that. I know people hate to see him win, but him being in the series, anytime the cup guys come down, eyes go on the Xfinity Series. If Harvick's racing, Harvick fans are going to watch. You know, and that's that's true for any of the drivers. If your driver is going to run the Xfinity Series, you know that they probably have a good chance and you're going to watch more often than not. So yeah. Kyle coming it's, down. It's slightly counterproductive with Kyle, though, because when he runs the Bush race or the Xfinity race or the truck race, you turn on, you're like, oh, Kyle's in the field. And yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. First, you know. Yeah. So I, I'm with you on that. But I do think it, it does bring in more attention more sponsorship eyes. So um, hopefully what happens is that some of these other cup guys decide that they, especially with this next gen car, maybe it doesn't translate Xfinity to cup, but maybe they just want to turn laps and get yeah. laps at the track with, with whatever they can get. They so, newly configured Atlanta. <laughs> do what? Get laps on the newly configured Atlanta. Oh yeah. We're going to come back to that. We're going to come back to that. <laughs> um, but in the Xfinity race, uh, what is, what was your take on, the incident between Kyle and Hemrick. Uh, Kyle Bush wrecked Hemrick. <laughs> I mean, the, the way I look at it is, you know, Daniel Hemrick was, you know, he was a good sport about it, and he normally is. He's a real nice guy. Um, but if we turn the tables and Hemrick does that to Kyle Bush, the interview that happens after that is, you know, completely polar opposite of what we had. 100%. I 100% agree it was a racing incident. I don't believe Kyle Busch's intentions were to spin him. No. However, when you come off the front bumper of someone, regardless, you're the one that wrecked him. So, yeah. you know, Kyle did wreck him, not intentionally, but, you know, um, I just feel like Daniel Hemrick, I think he should have been a little bit more frustrated. You know, he's he's trying to get into the playoffs, or he might be in, but he's trying to make sure he's locked in and and. Kyle Busch has no business in there except for winning. And, you know, team cars, you kind of knocked him out of contention yeah. when he had probably one of the, the better cars. So I feel like Hemrick should have been a little bit more frustrated, but that's kind of the way I saw it. I'm sure he was behind closed doors. And especially for, like, man, Hemrick has been, especially in the Xfinity Series, not so much in the Cup Series, but maybe that had a lot to do also with the, uh, the caliber of the team he was with at the time. But – um in the Xfinity series, I and mean, even in truck, he's always been competitive. He's just never really been the best car. And that was one of the first times that I could think of, like, he was, without a doubt, the best car. He had that race wrapped up. He was going to win that race. And it's just like, man, the bad luck bug strikes him. And you hate it, but unfortunately, this, this is the point where you have to look at, at Hemrick and just be like, this is what he is. You know, he's, he has bad luck when he's supposed to win a race and sometimes it's not his fault, but at the end of the day, it still happens. And yeah. so that might, I feel like that part might cost him a ride. Um, it's a lot like Matty D a lot of times when Matty D ends up having really, really good cars and race winning cars, he gets caught up in something. Yeah. And so eventually at some point that might cost you your ride. Yeah. I um, hope it does because I feel like Hemrick's gotten the short end of the stick. I mean, yeah. he was really good at Richard Childress. You know, in the Xfinity series, he was really, you know, contending there. 
and then he went up to cup and i mean their cup program wasn't awesome it was I just mean, not on that par it was not on that caliber and and everybody knew reddick was going to be going somewhere yeah and you know they they decided to make a decision to put reddick in obviously austin dillon wasn't going to be you know yeah. removed from the seat but they put reddick in and you know hemrick goes to joe gibbs and I feel like it's kind of might be the same, but I hope they lock him in for another season because I think yeah. he can do big things. I just I'd, I'd at least like to see him get one win, just just to put that to bed. Yeah, I think he deserves it. Um, so yeah, like I, like I said, I hope I hope he goes out and maybe even wins next week. You know, maybe maybe yeah. he goes and wins this weekend, gets some redemption. But uh, just bad luck keeps stabbing him, and it's just, it almost seems like he's never going to get that win just because that's that's how it goes with him. Um, but obviously Kyle won the big other big news is M- Michael Annette stepping out of the car minutes before the race. Yeah. Uh, some kind of injury. He was trying to deal with it through up, up until the break. And I guess less than an hour ahead of time says, Hey guys, I can't do the race today. So they had to scramble and, and they found Austin Dillon, which Austin ran well for a lot of the day. Didn't they um, do that in the truck too? Wasn't he supposed to be in the truck at, at Knoxville? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so I, and they had to get a different driver last minute. Yeah, so that that's a, actually even more interesting that uh, it happened on because you would think it would raise some concerns with right. him not going Friday, but right. uh, for obviously it to happen Saturday last minute, that's that's not what you want to see. But uh, it it must be bad enough that I mean it's keeping you out of the seat. So uh, yeah, we'll keep that keep eyes on that, but I'm interested to see how that plays out. Cause it's a weird, weird sounding deal. And just hope he can, uh, can get back up in after the break. Yeah. So, uh, now we're going to move on to cup. And first of all, I want to start by saying it sucks, but it's time to repave Atlanta. <laughs> and, and second off, I just want to say, wow, Kyle Bush is the biggest crybaby ever. Oh yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. But obviously, the, the racetrack starts falling apart. It's kind of weird how they announced that, like, hey, we're going to repave. We're, we're biting a bullet. And then the track starts falling apart just to kind of show I, – I, you almost want to call call foul on that. Like, like, how did that work out? Yeah. Like, I don't know how, how you fake that. So um, that, that kind of sucks. You don't want to have a red flag for the track falling apart. It takes eyes off of the race, but – you just slightly tear it up a little bit before the race, and then and then it falls apart. It just just go out there and put a cone around it. It'll be fine. Yeah. But yeah, it's time to repave. I'm. I thought last week when I saw the news, I thought they were going to be like bringing it back kind of more towards the oval shape. It sounds like they're just narrowing it, and so more like Charlotte. Yeah, that's the part where like it concerns that people were saying. Oh well, it's it, you know it's like going to be like Daytona, going to be like Charlotte. Well, first of all, Daytona is you know it's not wide, yeah, for a restricted plate track. Um, I think Charlotte is plenty wide, but if we're going to base off of the the racing at Charlotte, just take Atlanta off the schedule now. Don't even bother repaving it; just take it off and be done with it. Because the racing at Charlotte on the oval has been awful. Well, so the, why the, do we want to have another Charlotte? Like, just yeah. re- we're gonna repave the track. Just repave the track. Leave it as it is. The the rumor has it that they have a formula that's going to cause the track to wear quicker than it should. 
So let's hope that that happens. But, you know, they widened Texas and Texas went worst. So maybe narrowing it is kind of doing the opposite and hoping that with the repave that it keeps the racing good while tightening it up a little bit. Well, you, at Texas, you could have extended the corner all the way out to the interstate. The reason it's not good is because they flattened the track, they flattened the banking out a little bit too. Yeah. So that's what made it sting. Look, it would have been entertaining to see them sail off into the corner and ri- ride that rim up there, but I don't think there's enough banking to catch them up there anymore. And we're running this 550 package, which takes away from running the top. So you almost- it's kind of like the perfect formula for making Texas terrible. Yeah, you almost don't have to lift on the bottom, so why even run the top? Why run the top, yeah. So I, I, I'm i a little hesitant to see them repave this track, but, you know, maybe if we make some changes, you know, we got this next-gen car coming, maybe if we make some horsepower changes, make some things where the cars run a little different, it'll be okay, but I don't I don't really like where this is going just yet. Thinking back yeah. on it, like they, they repaved the track in 97, and some of our most memorable races, think about it, um, at the 2000 Atlanta race where Earnhardt yeah. and Bobby came side by side of the line very next year where uh, Harvey and Gordon came side by side a couple years later, it was, uh, when, when they it, Kurt- it was uh, Jimmy Johnson and Carl Edwards. Oh yeah, that's right. So I would have just repaved it the way it was and left it be, but you know, I don't get paid to make that kind of call. So um it is what it is we'll see how it goes yes jordan i'm going to turn it over to you because uh my little special guest just spit up a little bit so talk about the cup race the cup race was pretty good i mean it was kind of exactly like the first one um they you know they could run all over the track except the first two kind of broke away which blaney and larson did about the same um in the first one so seeing kyle and kurt run away with it you know the brother duo was kind of interesting to see um but you know i I gotta say (laughs) for the for the last race they did put on a show but man you would think just one time maybe in kyle bush's career and maybe it's just because he's that competitive which i get it i understand being that competitive but Damn, can you just be happy for your brother to win a race? I mean, it might not have happened the way you wanted it to, and maybe you wanted to come side by side to the line. But regardless of how it happened, whether Chastain took your air or blocked you or whatever you want to call it, and say that he's that type of driver, well, we flip back all the way to, I think, March is when they were running this. And look at what Penske did. Joey Logano was about to get lapped, and Kyle Larson was catching him like a freight train. And the only way... Blaney could get a huge, huge gap closed on Larson was for Joey Logano to steal Kyle Larson's lines, which is exactly what he did. And Blaney ended up getting past Larson. We knew he had a faster car at the time, but, you know, catching him is one thing, passing him is another. But when you have a car that steals your momentum and slows you way, way down, makes it a little bit easier with this package. And, you know, Ross had... The, the same option to you know that uh, Joey Logano did, and Ross was still on the lead lap. He was not a lap down car, and really, if you think about it, if he doesn't get lapped, caution comes out, and they hit pit road. You know, get four fresh good four fresh good years, 
and get back out there. You know, you never know on a restart. You can get five, six positions, and that's a huge difference with the way these points work, especially because he's below the cut line. So, you know, him being up in front of Kyle Busch, I, I think he was more running his race but helping his teammate out at the same time. He, he didn't want to go a lap down, but when his teammate made the pass, of course he's going to go a lap down. He's not going to hold up his teammate. So, you know, I, I thought it was awesome. The funny part was Kurt Busch was so, so, so excited, you know, on the radio saying, you know, shake and bake, baby, shake and bake, which we know that from Talladega Nights, which is hilarious. But then you have Ross in his post-race interview, and, and he's trying to, you know, just be like, oh, we ran our race. We, we weren't even worried about any of that and tried to shoot it down. But I, I just – I got to say, Kyle Busch is just one of the biggest crybabies I've ever seen. You know, be happy for your brother. You couldn't beat him. You even had a chance to get back past him, and you couldn't do it. You got really close, and Kurt beat you off the corner. And then after that, you you shot your tires, and that was the only shot you had. Everybody knows Kurt Busch had the better car, at least at the end. It was like Blaney with Larson, that Bush had or Kurt had the better car. And, you know, that Kyle just was going to get caught. It was just a matter of time. And when teammates help each other win, I mean, that's the point of having teammates. I, I feel like it might have hurt Ross a little bit, maybe in the points, you know, because he went a lap down. But – at the end of the day, I still think that Kyle Busch has nothing to be mad at besides the fact that he lost a race to his brother. I mean, he went to victory lane and he congratulated him. But, you know, Kurt was trying to have jokes with Kyle and Kyle was just standing him up. So I, I just other, other than other than that, I think the cup race was good. But I, I just. I'm sick and tired of hearing Kyle Busch cry like a baby whenever he doesn't win. He always has some sort of major issue. You know, our car wasn't good enough. The front tires were shot. You know, oh, Ross Chastain, the type of driver he is because he blocked me. Well, I mean, you had a chance to go down to the bottom. It's not like you were that, that close to him. It's not like you were going into the corner less than, you know, a tenth of a second behind him, and he decided, hey, I'm going to run the top. The thing about it was is, Ross was pretty far ahead of him. Bush had a chance to see which line he was running, and he could have easily changed to the bottom. And, you know, it ended up slowing his momentum, and Kirk gets by him and runs away with it. So I was happy to see that. Yeah, my take on it with Ross is, you think back to uh, Bristol with Matty D, when Matty was running away with that Bristol race, and yeah. Ryan Newman held him up. Well, guess what ended up happening? Shortly thereafter, um, Ryan Newman, because he stayed on the lead lap, caught uh, – I don't think they caught a caution. But he ended up staying on the lead lap. He was battling for his playoff life. He was battling Matty B. It ended up saving him uh, in the points, and he got in the playoffs because of it. So from Ross's perspective, you have to do that. You have to keep racing. Um, from a team perspective, just hold your line. Try to slow that other guy up because – you want your team to win. It would. I'm pretty confident any of the other Gibbs cars would have done the same thing. So, yeah. um, and I think this is interesting because I think it's the first time in a long time that Kurt, in a head-to-head -head with Kyle, Kurt had Kyle's number. He was the better car. You know, at, uh, Kentucky a few years ago when when Kurt won, he made him on a short run on on a restart, 
they yeah. went out the better car. They just had the better restart. He he kind of snuckered out. So uh, the better car won this one. I thought it was uh, it, that's how it should have played out, <laughs> and I'm glad it did. Um, I think it, to to Kyle's credit, though, I long theorized that I don't think Kyle's as much of a crybaby as we think. I think he just plays a role. He knows his role in the sport. He accepts it. He's the bad guy. And so yeah. I think he like he dramatically has started acting like this. And I think he does it on purpose because I think he knows his fans are going to love him for him. And the people who are not his fans are going to hate him for it. And that's what he wants. Right. So think about it like that. <laughs> I don't I don't think he's really that mopey, but I think he yeah. is putting on a show because and we need that that we need that kind of polarizing figure in the sport. That's something we've been drastically missing. Yeah, I mean, we definitely need that personality. But I mean, I still think he's he's I, I don't know if he necessarily plays the role. I mean, he might a little bit, but I still think that's that's the way he is. That's the way he's always been. Yeah. You know, it's just his personality. So I don't think that he's just doing it for show. I think that's the way he is. But I mean, look at him from from five, six, seven years ago. And it, it's totally different. Like the, the the attitude about it seems the same, but his demeanor about it. He almost kind of has this like poker face looking thing the last few years. Whereas before you could tell he was honestly super mad. He was furious. He's like shaking his head around. He's kind of like, you know, nodding up and down. He's got the facial expressions right now. He's just kind of like, well, we weren't good enough. Like he's just kind of looking off into space. So uh, to me, that's, that's why I think he's kind of playing the role a little bit. Um, But, you know, either way, I think, the thing that interests me the most about Kyle Busch is I think it's been proven this year. Kyle runs better when he runs trucks or Xfinity. He needs laps. Or so if practice. he's not running Xfinity, yeah, or practice, but he runs better when he runs Xfinity or, or truck. So if he's not running Xfinity next year, I'm interested to see how that plays out for him, especially he's, with this new car coming. He's not running Xfinity, but he'll probably run truck. He'll probably run some trucks, but he can only run five races. And the trucks don't really translate that well. So yeah. not as good as the Xfinity cars. So I think that uh, we'll really see what Kyle's made of next year, especially if we're on less practice than what we'll practice. But if we're on less practice than what we're used to, uh, we're, we're going to see what Kyle's really made of. Yeah, I'm just uh, – I'm excited for – I was happy for Ganassi to go out, you know, with the win. Um, if that's their last win, it was cool to see. Um, and you know, Kurt Busch, the free agent that he is, at least for whenever they announce it, and he is not a free agent anymore because it sounds pretty clear cut and dry where he's going to go, just hasn't been uh, announced yet. Um, but I- I'm happy to see him get back in victory lane. You, you could definitely yeah. tell the he's definitely come a long way from where he started as well. So I did not like Kurt Busch until 2014 when I started working on his team, and ever since then, I mean. Yeah, he's he's kind of whiny. Let me, I mean, I'm gonna clue you in. Every driver I've ever worked for is whiny. I've worked for a lot of drivers, they're all whiny. So that <laughs> it's just it is that's part of being a driver, apparently. Um yeah. but man, his his attitude has seemed to improve a whole lot. He's he's grown up a bunch, he's gone through a whole lot of things. I love seeing Kurt Bush win. I love seeing and that kind of uh excitement, man. You'd like to see that more often in the sport. It was really cool to see. But yeah. The only problem is that Kurt has – I'm not surprised he won. I'm surprised in the manner that they won. But Kurt is this – this is what he does. He is a one-year win kind of guy. Look back ever since he started at Stuart Haas 2014. It was one, two, one, 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 one. I think is, I think I have it right. 
but he only won two races one time. So, um, and one of those was a rain shortened race. So, you know, count it if you'd like. Um, it counts. I mean, it counts. It counts. It's just, uh, I'm just saying he's a, he's a one win a year kind of guy. That's what he is. And so we might have seen him peak, um, but th- they're definitely on the ascent. We'll see how they can carry that into the playoffs. Yeah. So um, we so we're going to move on. Uh, we already talked about Nashville Fairgrounds this weekend. Uh, the uh, I think all three series are going to um, exp- uh, New Hampshire. No, it's just Xfinity and Cup. I think uh, trucks stopped going, which is a shame. Um, yeah. For a flat track, New Hampshire is really, really cool. It's really, really beautiful up there. Uh, that was always one of my uh, places I really, really enjoyed going to because of the scenery around it. Um, the atmosphere up there, the fans up there are great, a lot like they are in Wisconsin. Um, and everybody so, wants to hold the lobster. <laughs> I'm hoping it's Kevin, or I'm hoping it's one of our cars. Well, I will say Briscoe ran better at Atlanta. He, Briscoe's on the ascent. We still don't – I mean, you see it. Kevin was uh, – was then it finished 11th, and that's kind of where he ran that third stage. It's the best he was the third stage. So, Briscoe's on the ascent. I – I'm going to go as far as to say he's our number two driver right now where it should be Eric. They just, they haven't been able to put it together the way we would expect. Yeah. Uh, we're, our 550 package is, is we're, we got a ways to go, but um, I'm really impressed with the growth from Chase Briscoe. It's really tough with the lack of practice and everything. Um, and you see that with Cole too, uh, lack of practice. So, but hopefully, uh, hopefully one of our guys can hold the lobster this weekend, but uh, who's your pick? Um, um, who'd I go with last week? Joey Logano, that backfired. Yeah, that kind of backfired. Um, you know, I think I'm going to go with Ross. Okay. All right. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with a guy that, uh, I'm seeing, he kind of fell off on the, for a while, but you've seen him kind of making a little bit of a comeback. Um, and I'm going to go with Martin Truex Jr., He's starting to run a little bit better. Uh, he did win in Phoenix. So their package on that flat track kind of thing is, is pretty good. I think that Truex is going to get back to victory lane this weekend. Yeah, I don't know if Ross is going to win. I just think he's going to finish better than yeah. Mark Truex. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so only a few races to go to the playoffs, guys. Uh, we'll see that cut line's getting really thin. Um, and maybe we get a push here of, of winners at the end and see if we can fill that 16 slot. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> I doubt it too. But we do have, we have, we have several guys and there's four more spots and we have two guys that could rip off a win at any time. Yeah. And then Daytona, which you saw what happened in the spring. Yeah. You never know. Never yeah. know. So, but, all right guys, well, we're going to wrap that up. I'm going to karate and I got to change cause I just got spit up one. So, yeah, well, everybody should be happy that it's Shark Week and we didn't make this all about sharks. Uh, we will next week. <laughs> we'll probably, we might even be able to record together since uh, he's going to be coming down to the beach when I'm down there too. So, um, everybody have a good week. Enjoy the racing this weekend, and we'll talk to you next week. All right. See you later. Catch you later.